0: okay hi long time no see just your local sick person checking in with everyone i am so tired today and you know i skipped last week so hi we're just jumping into this episode um i skipped last week because i really really wasn't feeling well and now i mean this week oh my god you guys. My week has been a medical disaster, and someone said it's like an Aquarius new moon, and I'm like, I don't, it comes after Mercury retrograde, and I'm like, I don't care, I don't know what that means, but whatever, this week has sucked. So, we're just going to ignore that. This has been an incredibly medically triggering week, so we're going to talk about something that's probably going to trigger me even more, but it is something that I want to talk about and something that needs to be talked about. Especially because on the 28th of January, it is Sperm Mesenteric Artery Awareness Syndrome Awareness Day, and that's a really important day for me since that was, you know, a life-changing diagnosis that kind of put all the pieces together in my life of the th- things that had happened happening to me GI functionally, and yeah, so we're gonna talk about it. All right, so we're gonna start off. I first off. I want to thank everyone on Instagram because I asked um, if anyone wanted to say anything about SMAS, who has SMAS, and I'm gonna say SMAS throughout this. I'm meaning Superior Mesenteric Artery Syndrome. That's just really long and annoying to say, so when I say SMAS, that's what I'm saying. Um, but I want to thank all those people that reached out to me who basically said what they want um, doctors to know, or they would want anyone to know about Superior SMAS. So, um, thank you for answering my poll and talking to me and reaching out to me. And we're just going to get into this. So, what is SMAS? It is basically an obstruction of the third portion of the duodenum due to the compression of the SMA, the superior mesenteric artery, and the AA, which is the abdominal aorta, uh, causing the angle to become between 6 and 22 degrees, where the normal is 28 to 65, and the asymmetric distance is 2 to 8 millimeters instead of 10 to 20 to 34 so it basically becomes you know a hole wide enough for food to go through to a hole the size of a dime and then when you're eating obviously the your food is not always going to like i'll be able to go through that and even with some people like mine mine was closed to a point where even on a liquid diet i would still be vomiting because it still was so small and it took so long that my body would just end up rejecting it um and that's where it gets into it can be intermittent it can be partial or a complete shut off blockage so you can have smas and still be able to eat and still not eat and may not even vomit you'll just experience the pain and the nausea and we'll get into the symptoms um hypothetically like that on its own sounds pretty straightforward you would think that's pretty easy um like no controversy behind it a doctor should be able to diagnose that and just treat it and listen and believe in the patient um because you know it's a blockage and that's what I originally thought is like oh okay that makes sense this will be able to be treated right and figured out easily right and you'll listen to me right And that makes sense why I'm having all these symptoms, right? Um, Well, it's not that easy. And because if it was that easy, then the mortality rate wouldn't be one in three patients. Yes, it is not. This is not something to mess around with at all. Um, You need to first off convince your doctor you even have it because some don't even believe it exists. Some doctors don't believe in vascular compression. Some doctors don't think it can happen. Because that makes sense, you know? It, something's causing your body and it's showing up on scans, but you know. Not, have you tried eating more? Have you tried doing yoga? Have you tried... I don't know. Have you Have you tried standing on your head? That might resolve your SMAS. Um, and some will, if nothing else, if they do believe it can happen, they'll believe it's caused by an eating disorder. Unless... They're like a godsend and they just believe they could, you know, you have it and they want to help you. But they will probably think then, okay, you know, blah, blah has it. But it's probably because she's choosing not to eat and she's causing it or they're causing it or he's causing it. It can be any gender. Any gender can have a It is not just exclusively women. Um, So it can be caused by literally a multitude of things not like eating disorders like on the bottom of the list it can also be caused by losing your weight losing weight because you're on a diet it that's just those two things are like on the bottom because there's also it can be caused by abdominal surgery such as gastric bypass surgery another abdominal surgery had maybe gallbladder or something else taken out prolonged bed rest rapid growth rate in some people um, loss of muscle tone in the abdominal wall, it also ha- it basically happens when the body loses that fast pad around the SMA and the AA that holds it open, and losing that fat pad can also be caused by, um, inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, trauma to the abdominal, um, I think I already said that, why did I say that again? I'm going off some notes that I wrote down. I'm just like, I already said that. Malabsorption. Also, people who actually have burn injuries. This, I thought this was interesting. Can develop SMAS because um, they lose the, the muscle and the fat can waste away after getting burn injuries. And people with scoliosis can also develop SMAS because the, once they have the correction surgery, um, the spine will straighten out. And sometimes that can cause SMAS. But also being in the body cast can cause SMAS. Um, because you're changing your body's anatomy, essentially. Um, also, vascular, other vascular compressions you may have can sometimes trigger or cause um, SMAS because they kind of dance together, vascular compressions. They all like to do the conga line together. Um, we're not sure which came first, my SMAS or my mouse, but we are 100% sure they dance together. Um, so you may also have other vascular compressions going on. Um, Doctors usually go for eating disorder, though, because it's easy. It's something to blame you on. It's simpler. And it, I guess in their sense, it makes more sense to them. Um, but the loss of the fast fat pad is not just caused by not eating. At all. Like, bro. <laughs> um, so after, you know, you convince your doctor, you know, finally after you can convince your doctor that you have SMAS um, or that they finally will listen to you that you have something going on they may want to run tests and there are tests and diagnostics that exist to find SMAS. I was originally diagnosed with a barium swallow scan where I basically swallowed this if anyone you know, you know. If you know what barium is and swallow scans are, you know it's basically a cement milkshake and it tastes horrendous and it makes you want to die. Um, but basically, it was the, it swallowed it and then you could see it going down into my stomach and my intestines on a CT. Um, and for me, my body kept spitting it back up, which showed a blockage. Um, and then I did a lying down CTA and that confirmed the angle of the endosco- of the, um artery collapse and then we did an endoscopy with a camera and a scope and they were able to go all the way down and see like we actually have pictures of the mass, and see how collapsed it was. And um, my GI actually sprayed water at the mass to see how collapsed it was and um, the water splashed back up at the camera and out of my mouth while I was under so I have so it's clearly a blockage. <laughs> Um, and he actually was, like, he came out and told my mom, he's like, yeah, she's got a blockage. You got some issues going on. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But these aren't the, um, only tests that you can do. Um, you can also do, um, there's an ultrasound you can do, an MRI you can do. The problem is, is not everyone can actually tolerate the dye or the contrast dye and the barium in the testing. Um, due to multiple several issues but for example um crps fighter shannon on instagram i actually was talking to her because she has smas and mcas which is mast cell activation syndrome reached out to me and she told me um she's unable to do the contrast test because of the reactions she has so she would recommend an ultrasound or vascular ultrasound to see because you can also see other vascular compressions on it too, but you can also see SMAS on it. Um, And that's less invasive and there's no dyes or anything to irritate you at all or have any allergic reactions. Um, There's also abdominal x-rays, except that only really just shows the dissension and bloating in your abdomen, which that could be caused by constipation and gas, but those can be caused by SMAS, but you can also just have a bunch of air in your stomach for other reasons. So I'm, first of all, thank you for reaching out to me. That was really, I didn't know that. And so I think that's something really good to know is that if you can, if you have bad adverse reactions to contrast dye or barium, there are other ways to find SMAS, such as also the endoscopy, because they just knock you out unless you have an allergic reaction to the sedation. But there are other things you can do to get this diagnosis um, or at least test for it if you think you have SMAS. But anyways, back to basically what I was saying about the bloating and um, distension, is that is actually one of the symptoms of SMAS. Um, SMAS untreated can lead to gastric prenatosis or prenatosis coli, which is what I developed after um, going so so long untreated of SMAS. Um, And it's basically air lining the inside, lining the walls of your intestines or your stomach because there's just so much air buildup. And it got so severe that before I got my GJ tube, I would be just coughing and vomiting air, if that makes sense. And my um, NJ started pushing air out of it. And now I'm able to vent it through the G part of my GJ tube. Um, but it was really, really painful and awful. And it's very, very dangerous because um, smas treated can not only just cause normally with normal patients, it can cause extreme abdominal pain, nausea, indigestion, vomiting, heartburn, early satiety, chest pain, sudden weight loss due to the loss of nutrition and malabsorption, um, distension, bloating. But also, it because of all that air, sometimes it can actually cause a perforation in the gastric wall, and that can cause sepsis. That can cause death, but also intestinal failure due to the artery collapsing so much you lose circulation on your intestines, and death due to the lack of the nutrients and balances. This literally isn't something to fuck around with, and it's like the definition of fuck around, and you find out. You want to you want to wait on this? Fine, let's find out what happens, and it's not even like a oh well you know you know it will literally last have la- life affecting li- life altering effects on you because of how damaging it can be. It literally is scary. And doctors seem to forget that. Hmm, that, you know, nutrients and nutrients, you need those things to survive and not to leave it for too long where weight gain. So doctors think that the fat pad can resolve with weight gain and that will resolve this mass, which in some people it actually does, but it's, um, some it doesn't. And then surgery will be the only intervention eventually. But uh, doctors will wait around for nutrition and wait around, and not all immediately focus on that because nutrition rehabilitation is extremely important. Being extremely um, malnourished is not not fun, and it can lead to long, la- lifelong, lasting effects. I would know. I have been malnourished for so long that it's been eight months of me being on an extremely high calorie diet extreme very low energy low low exercising so i'm basically all of the calories are going towards my body and i still haven't really gained any weight and it's basically because my body has been malnourished for so long that it's still in survival mode and it's still terrified to put on any weight because it's like what if it goes away or what if something happens i don't have any reserves left to heal my body yet um, that's the goal eventually. Um, so what would treatment be? like first mass? because okay, so you need to gain some weight, you need nutrition. What, what do you do then? Um, so after diagnosis, doctors will usually go to nutrition rehabilitation always first. It's conservative, it's a lot it's a lot less invasive. They'll go most likely NG or NJ. It's most likely straight to NJ because the NG, which is... So NG and NJs are tubes that go through your nose and into either your stomach and your intestines. The G is the stomach and the J is the um, jejunum, which is the intestine. And the G is the gastric, so, you know. Um, But they usually go to the NJ because it goes through the blockage into the intestine. When you have SMAS, obviously, even if you have a tube in your stomach, it's not going to go through the blockage. Um, So... But anyway, but I want to actually put a pin in that for a second because I want to talk about the placement of the NJs, which is intestinal blockage hellhole, and it is literally shoving a tube through a tiny little blockage. Um, It is torture. It is probably something they do. What they do, they how they interrogate people. So they're like, we're gonna stick. It. They should do that. They should try that. Actually, threaten to stick N J tubes down people's noses. Oh God, I'm giving the CIA ideas. I should just stop here. This is like last time when I was like telling. Oh God, telling people to punch people, and then my mom was like, stop. So it's horrible. Um, for how severe mine was, they actually ended up having to sedate me and knock me out, and it took them two hours. And they ended up, um cutting it out and then pulling parts of it out and then like cut like sticking it didn't open me up but they like pulled a part of it out and then they had to go down and like i don't even know what they had to do it was crazy um but it took up to three it can take up to three hours some doc so most people don't get sedation this was just one time that i got sedation um and i was extremely lucky the ir was like no you should get you can have sedation and i was like okay um, but you usually don't. And it's usually only supposed to be like 20 to 30 minutes. And for most, it can take two to three hours. They don't give you any pain management. Um, you just get lidocaine sometimes in your nose to numb it up. But that's, that's really it. Um, and it's incredibly painful and comfortable. It's awful. It feels like they're... It literally just feels like they're shoving it through. And I would like to say for chronically uncomfortable on instagram go follow her too she also said for her it took up to three doctors and over an hour of placement just to get it through because you're literally shoving it you're like you're like "Eh, eh, eh." i'm doing a hand motion right now you can't see but it's like me shoving um nj tubes are really awful but they provide nutrition so i hated my nj but i was also grateful that it was able to give me nutrition and it brought back me energy and life but it's not fun um Back, anyways, back to new nutrition, doctors will always try that first. They want to provide your body with nutrition, tube feeds to encourage the weight gain and rehabilitate the fat pad to return, propping of the SMA, and relieving the compression. Along with that, you might be hospitalized to also receive IVs of extra nutrition and supplements such as potassium, phosphorus, to make sure you go, go into refeeding syndrome, because refeeding syndrome is when your body has been malnourished for so long it goes kind of insane when you start to give it food. And it kind of has a freak out, and it's like, Ah! Oh my god, we have food! And it doesn't really know what to do. Um, so definitely being monitored for that is really good. It's not fun being in the hospital. I did not enjoy when I was in the hospital. There was a whole other reasons, But I didn't enjoy being in the hospital. No one likes being in the hospital. And I hate seeing those TikToks of people being like, Oh my god, I wish I could be hit by a car so I could just be in the hospital. And have You know, the weight of life taken off me. I'm like, shut up. Girl, you've never been in the hospital then. I'm just saying. Um. So, but for some, if you can tolerate the NJ and get feeds, and you may gain with some weight, that may may even resolve. Um. Some people get GJs and tolerate the feeds, like me, and hopefully our goal is all uh, gaining the weight in this mass resolve. However, with plenty of people, this isn't the case. Um. Some don't tolerate the NJ feeds, which I didn't, so I got the GJ and now I can tolerate. But some people can't even tolerate the GJ. I use the G part to vent air and bile and the J part to feed because the NJ caused building buildup of air and bile. But some people can't even tolerate the feeds and are no longer to absorb nutrition through their intestines due to the severity of the SMAS and receive a pick line or a port to get TPN. Now, TPN is total parental nutrition, which is nutrition dere- delivered directly through your veins to your heart via a line placed in your veins. Um, all of this is to rehabilitate nutrition. That is the most important thing about SMAS. Um, it is literally vital to you because of the amount of things like I listed earlier. can literally cause death. NJ is the most conservative and considered by doctors to be used first. However, it's not always. Now, the treatment time, I was told, oh, you know, okay, Autumn. I was told, guys, that I would have the NJ for six months, and then they would pull it, and I would be all better. So the six months became eight months, and then I was converted to a GJ. Um because my first GI started ghosting me after I told him this mask got worse. And he told me it was a complex disorder and I didn't understand what was going on. And I said, yeah, I do. I've been living in my body for my whole life. And he was like, okay, well, I'm gonna ghost you. So anyways, um, <laughs> but so some have the NJ for longer because, they, because their doctor wants to avoid the surgery if possible. And some even go to TPN because a GJ is a surgical tube um into your stomach directly um it all just depends on your doctor in the end now it might also be part of your choice if you're an adult it it, it's all it's mostly up to the doctor I would say unless you're an adult and you don't want to go the surgery route either but also doctors sometimes can be really stingy about wanting to give you a a feeding tube or um wanting to give you more or I I don't encourage feeding tubes, I don't I don't say feeding tubes are amazing, and I'm not saying everyone should get a feeding tube, but I'm also saying if the feeding tube can encourage or improve your quality of life, you should advocate for one always, um, if you think it would improve your quality of life, such as having S.M.A.S.H. And if all of this fails, the nutrition, everything, you even gain weight and nothing happens, um, you they'll probably have you have surgery which can help this mass even sometimes resolve it but not all the time because sometimes then it can lead to gastroparesis symptoms such as delayed emptying of the stomach sorry if i cut off there i don't think i did but um i had to drink some water because my g-tube was full of air and it was really hurting and i really didn't want to scream on my podcast because sometimes it hurts that bad i just need to scream so moving on (laughs) um the most common type of surgery is the ddj which is where um the jejunum is connected to the second part of the duodenum by bypassing the sma obstruction via laparoscopic surgery that is the most common surgery you will hear about with smas but there's also the strong's procedure where the ligament of the trias is divided lowering the duodenum duodenal jejunal junction, try to say that times so fast, which can relieve the SMA, but is, also has to be stutured to the right of the abdominal wall, otherwise it can reoccur. So obviously it's less used, since it can literally just, like, not work. Um, and then there's the duodenal, duodenal deterioration epic co-coition. Okay, I made, I have dyslexia, so, um, yeah, we're gonna not read that. But it Basically, it divides and re- re-rotates the intestines and the organs of the abdominals so that the duodenum is straightened out. Um, it's a massive procedure. It's an um, intense open surgery, and it's not as common. There are a couple of people I know that have had it done. It, it rotates your intestines. Um, that's the short and late in terms of it. It's a very intense, very long Lots of things are done in the surgery to help the SMAS. Um, There's also the DDD, where the intestines are rerouted to run parallel to the arteries so the compression is resolved. Surgery is the last step, though, and does not usually happen until the feeding tube and the nutrition has failed or does not resolve the SMAS. I know there's a lot of people I know who have SMAS that are, that surgery is not, like, that's the last step on their to-do list because it's not a fun surgery any of the surgeries even the laparoscopic and it's not fun to recover from so if you can like rehabilitate it by just gaining weight it sucks because it takes you could be like well it takes longer but also the surgery can have lots of other issues too it's not a perfect surgery um even the DDJ even though it's like i said, it's like 70 out of 80% of patients have a success rate but still there's always a chance of something happening so that's like a really rough overview of SMAS, like really rundown, quick rundown overview of SMAS. I would recommend, I got a lot of my information from NORD, which is Rare Diseases um, website. I got a lot of information from SMAS forums and people that I've talked to. Um, if you think you have SMAS, I would say definitely reach out to a couple people on instagram or reach out to people but also look for um, vascular surgeons that are aware of vascular compressions because they were going to be more savvy in it Now, you're still going to have to probably speak to a GI, but usually those vascular surgeons know GIs that work with them, and they understand it more. Like, my vascular surgeon, John Hopkins, works with a GI that understands SMAS, so he was able to be like, okay, these things are probably caused by your SMAS that are happening in your GI system. So, it's, but, but I want to, I don't want to say this is easy, because it isn't. It took me seven years to get diagnosed with SMAS. It took me, um, hang on, I have to count one, two, three, four GIs, four GIs telling me that I had an eating disorder, two of them, one of, um, them getting me to go to a hospital and getting put in the eating disorder ward, the second one putting me basically on an eating disorder protocol, and the last, and the, well, that one also threatened to call CPS on my mom, telling her that she was neglecting me and, um, letting me waste away, um, so, it's not an edi- it's not going, okay, sorry, I dropped my microphone. It's not going to be a, you know, go up, walk up to your doctor and be like, hi, I think I have superior misandereitis syndrome. And they're going, oh my god, I will run, let me write down all the tests you need to get done. Let's do this. No, you're going to have to fight. And you know what? That fucking sucks. And that makes me so fucking mad that you have to fight to get help to get nutrition, to get anything in this fucking world, in this medical system, I guess. Um, Because I've had to fight tooth and nail for my diagnosis for getting help. I went seven years without proper nutrition to a point where I lost about more than half my body weight um, to a point where I was probably going to die and because doctors didn't think anything was wrong and thought that I was just choosing not to eat. Even though, even though, before I got my feeding tubes, I was trying to eat every single day, and it was causing me so much pain, so much nausea, so much vomiting, but I was still doing it. I'd, vo- I'd literally eat something, vomit it, and then be like, I'm going back for more, I gotta eat more. So, it is a battle, and this syndrome is a war, that you are fighting, not only with it, but with doctors in our medical system and our healthcare system just to receive care and help. And it is literally like, it just makes me so mad because there are so many people that go undiagnosed and untreated. And sometimes it isn't even caught. And then you are getting treated for other things and it gets caught. It actually happened the opposite for me. I got treated for mass and then I got, they caught my mouths. luckily. But vascular compressions in general go untreated for so long and it's awful because it's like <laughs> you, you need it's so hard to find a doctor that also believes in smash and doesn't believe it's just a eating disorder anyway and it's angering so angering i don't know if that's a word Um, so I do want to talk about my story because I think it's important, um, mainly just because, like, not only did my story take seven years, we're pretty sure my SMAS probably was worsened by the weight loss that I had, um, but I have several bacterial infections that was causing malabsorption, I also, when I was younger, what we think caused my mouths is I landed flat on my back after getting thrown from a stallion at ten years old, at a um, gallop, so, uh, <laughs> and we think that's what um, caused the mouths to collapse, and that could have possibly caused the smash to collapse too, because that was when I started experiencing a lot of my smash symptoms. So, like, for me, it was actually trauma possibly, and even my um, vascular surgeon possibly agree agrees that there could have been the trauma that could have possibly triggered it too. So, not so then there was that. And then I, we started going to CGI's when I was in seventh grade for all my symptoms. I started having extreme, I had such bad constipation when I was younger. They used to take me to the, we would go to the ER because we thought I had appendicitis or something. I would have literally, you could see it, it would be like shit, I'm not kidding, up to my chest. I'm swearing so much in this episode. I'm sorry, but I'm mad. And when I'm mad, I, I just let loose um, up to my chest. And they just be like, oh, you're constipated. And I'm like, how am I that constipated? Um, And I would take laxatives and nothing would happen. Or I would take laxatives and it would take like a couple days, if not a week, for those laxatives to actually start working. Um, So there's that. And then about every GI we saw until two years ago told me that I had an eating disorder, told me that nothing in my GI was functionally wrong. Um, It was all psychological. There was nothing medically wrong with my GI tract. There was nothing... Now, understand, we met with several nutritionists and psychologists, and they all said that I didn't have an eating disorder. It was the GIs. Um, But we finally met with a GI in California, and he still kind of was going down the eating disorder route, but he was like, I'll just give you this barium scan just to see. And I think he honestly didn't expect to find SMAS. I don't think anyone did, and it kind of shocked him. So that's why... I think I was treated the way I did in the hospital because I think they didn't know how to handle SMAS, and I don't think he did either. He promised me I was going to be under the GI team's care, and I wasn't. Um, they didn't really tell me anything about my feeds. They didn't tell me anything about what I was getting, my nutrition. They didn't even tell me I had to flush my tube every day. I was not aware of that. They basically just shoved shit on me and said, good luck. Um, we didn't know anything about SMAS at the time, so we just went along with it, and that's kind of, I feel like, how they got us, too, but it, I mean, we found the SMAS specialist in John Hopkins, but that wasn't until several months after I'd been first diagnosed with SMAS and hospitalized for it, um, to get nutrition rehabilitation, um, and we had to go to John Hopkins for that, which is literally across the country, and, He was pretty shocked that this G.I. had kind of just ghosted us and had not really known what to do. And had kind of just dismissed all these other symptoms that I was having that weren't really related to SMAS, which we now know are related to my colitis and my um, mouths, And he was kind of, like, upset for us. (laughs) Um, So it has been a long road. And even then, I had to wait another, like, four months to get my G.J., which was hell. Um, Because I started developing prenatosis coli and I started to do these hyperbaric oxygen therapies, chamber therapies, which is where they try to rebalance the oxygen. It's basically like they simulate you going up into an airplane and then back down. That was extraordinarily painful, which we now know is because of my balance. But it was supposed to help the prenatosis coli because they were really worried, we were worried, um, that it was going to get to a point where it would perforate and cause sepsis because it had gone untreated for so long. Um, During this time, I had stopped being able to consume anything orally. Everything was going through my tube. Medication, water. Um, I was doing, I wasn't even doing IV hydration at that time. I had my central line, but I wasn't doing IV hydration. So it was water, medications, feed. Anything I drank, anything I put down my throat and into my stomach was going to come right back up. It was like, how much you want to bet this one, it will come right back up. I didn't need to bet. I knew. Um, But that's how severe it got. I would be in so much pain that I would just lay flat on the floor and not want to move. Um, I, I sometimes couldn't move. The the pain was almost paralyzing. Um, it feels, it literally feels like someone is just sitting there clamping and clamping at your intestines. I can't explain it unless you've had SMAS or have SMAS. You kind of understand it feels like a clamp on your intestines and it is so, it's like a deep, intense pain. Um... And I still have that pain. I'm not saying that was fixed. Um that it was funny when I got my G J surgery, they were like, you know, you're 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 saying you're not in that much pain and I was like, This is this is actually not as bad as my normal pain. Without the med- like they were cause I went off the duad duaded and they were like, you know, you're saying you're not in that much pain and I was like, Yeah, my normal pain's worse than this. So but that to get to that point. It's horrifying that I had to get to a point where my pain tolerance was so high. That having surgery and not being on any medication was manageable to me. And also to a point that it took me that fucking long. It took me seven years of my life was taken away from me. I had to drop out of high school. I never got to go to prom. I never got to go to any dances or anything. I... You know, missed out on getting my driver's license, which I'm still going to get. I'm going to get my GED. Like, there's things I'm still doing, but I'm saying I missed out on being a fucking teenager. Because of this. Because doctors told me it is too rare, I can't have it. It is too rare. I can't have it. Because... 0.13 percent to 33 percent of the population can have it so clearly i'm not part of that well someone has to be part of that population i'm sorry i'm yelling i'm yelling i'm sorry as my mom said well someone has to be part of that population so why can't it be me okay and it just to get to a point where someone would hear us and believe us was such a long road of, leaving me with PTSD and trauma to a point where I have to see a therapist every single week, and most of the time I leave therapy crying. And I know that's pretty normal, like everyone leaves therapy, like you know. But because I have to, I talk about my PTSD, and it's incredibly triggering to me. And it's so angering. And even now, I'm in a we're finding out. This isn't confirmed, but we found out possibly more things going on with me that could be causing me not to gain weight, which could be causing which is why my SMAS never was able to resolve when I did start gaining weight. Because I've gained about twenty pounds and then lost and then twenty pounds and then lost in the last several years. But my SMAS has never resolved. And now we know possibly why. I'm not gonna explain it because we don't know if it's confirmed or not. If it is confirmed, I'll explain it maybe in another episode. Um but it's just even that, that this has taken such a long diagnosis that I may have never gotten here. If I, right now, sitting next to me right now is a bottle of water. And you know what? I'll drink this whole bottle of water and I have to drain it out. Because if I don't, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to sit in my stomach and cause me extreme pain and then I'm going to vomit it. And that's because doctors didn't care for seven years. Didn't cure me didn't listen, didn't believe me, and didn't want to do anything about it. And I am sitting here and seething. I told you it was going to make me mad. I told you at the start of this episode it was going to trigger me and make me mad. But there's so many other people that I've seen, been, their lives have been altered permanently in a negative way due to SMAS and doctors could have done more and that's why on January 28th awareness is extremely important so if you don't have SMAS please wear purple if you have SMAS wear purple but if you don't please spread the word please tell your friends about SMAS spread the awareness because when I was told I had SMAS I had no idea what it was And SMAS needs to be more known because the fatality rate is one in three. And that is not okay. It's not okay. And there's so many SMAS warriors out there that don't deserve this. And never deserved this. No one deserves this. And we deserve to be heard, we deserve to be listened to, and we deserve to be believed. And not just dismissed by everyone and every doctor. So I'm going to end it here because I'm really mad now. And I think I'm going to go scream into a pillow and not jump off a bridge. I'm not going to do that. I don't even know what bridge to jump off of. I'm going to go scream into a pillow. So, and maybe take an angry nap. (laughs) So, but thank you for listening. Seriously. And I hope maybe this gave you a little bit of education and maybe it made you a little mad too. And I hope it did. Hope it did. So, remember, January 28th. Mass Awareness Day. And thank you for listening. Oh, before I go, I haven't been drinking any new juice. Um, Propel electrolyte water is really yummy. I like strawberry kiwi flavor, but really, really cold. So, if you want to try that, that's really good. And, ooh, and, no. I've also been drinking some chai lattes. Those are good, too. But with coconut or soy milk so anyways thank you and i'll see you hopefully next week if i'm not dying more than normal okay bye